Hey friends, this is your friendly spoiler alert. If you are still in season one, please stop now or forever hold your tweets. When trying to untangle the jingle from the jangle, it's easy if you listen with your heart. Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and for this first part of the podcast, for the recap, it's going to be just me, but Ashley Johnson, who you guys have heard her lovely voice before, will be joining me for segments. Um, Our lunches couldn't coordinate today, so she's going to... We're going to do it on our lunch breaks tomorrow and then whatever. Like, you guys don't care. You'll hear it all in, in one batch, but... Anyway, you get just me and my um, potentially getting sick voice, so I'm, I'm sorry if it's not as um, elegant and graceful a voice as it normally is, I'm so sure. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about Riverdale Season 2, Episode 18, Chapter 31, A Night to Remember, and A Night to Remember Indeed, OMG. So... Besides being the theme to my junior prom, <laughs> A Night to Remember, I found two listings. So there's a 1958 movie about the sinking of a Titanic, of the Titanic, which is also very similar to my junior prom night. Um, and then there's also a 1942 comedy film. <laughs> comedy? And they say that with a question mark towards IMDb because it's about a mystery writer and his wife who move into a new apartment in Greenwich Village and find themselves with a corpse sounds like a fun romp <laughs> so um we'll talk we'll, we'll discuss uh with Ashley about our um mine and hers past experience with Carrie and like the horror movie and the musical where um I mean I I've only seen the horror movie I haven't seen the musical because until it's like thrust in my face I tend to be, like, very snobbish about musicals that are, um, that are gained from films, like, that aren't musicals, you know, straight films. It, until I'm like, oh, the Legally Blonde Broadway cast recording is actually really good. I was like, ew, that's not legit. Nah. But, I mean, from what I can hear of the, from what Riverdale did, I'm loving Carrie the Musical, so I'm gonna definitely gonna have to check that out. Um, but we'll we'll get more into that when when Ashley joins us later. So we'll just jump into the episode. The episode starts with Kevin, who's directing this shindig, to ask he's asking Jughead to be the videographer for a behind the scenes documentary about the school play Carrie the Musical. Casey caught literally looks into the camera like Jim Halpert on The Office and says, like the Sissy Spacek movie. We got it, man. <laughs> like, he didn't have to tell us. We, we got it. Um, Jughead agrees, and, like, the camera that we were looking through pans, does, like, zooms in on the camera that's filming them like it's a villain. Like, the the camera that Jughead's gonna film with is the bad guy. <laughs> it looks super creepy. It's weird. 
And then we just roll into our first musical number, which was leaked earlier this week, and it's amazing. Like, as a Broadway fan, I was super impressed. Now, every time I hear that we're getting a musical episode, I kind of do the same thing, like, with uh, musicals that are... Um, that come from street movies where I'm like, this is going to suck. They're going to ruin a favorite thing of mine. They're not going to do it right. But I'll be damned if, if this wasn't awesome. Like I'm super impressed you guys, not like the PLL quote unquote musical episode, which was just one musical number, but from Janelle Parrish. So, uh, I mean, she's great. She was wonderful, but you can't call it a musical episode when there's like, when Aria just has a fever dream. Anyway, so, oh no, my computer just like turned off. Okay, there we go. Fred practically begs Archie to let him build the sets for the school play because, you know, that's who gets a say in it. One of the kids acting in the show, not like the drama teacher who we haven't met or even the student director that apparently gets full say in this. <laughs> Anyway, it's Archie that gets to decide who's building sets. Anyway, Fred's just super stoked that Archie's getting back into music, even if it's not depressing folk songs that he deemed rock and roll. I'm guessing for Archie's sake, because rock and roll is not what Archie's music was. And I say was because we haven't heard him in a long damn time. It was like sad, rainy day looking at the car window music. So anyway... We learned that Archie's new wheels are a secret from his dad. And (laughs) because this is what the whole point is, but I hate anything that keeps Archie and Fred divided. It just feels wrong. And that means that the writers are doing exactly what they're supposed to. So good on them. Also, that car is really loud. Like, I'm pretty sure Fred could hear it, even if he parked it a few blocks away. But fine. At school, um, I guess we're watching Rise now. Just, just kidding. It's Ethel. <laughs> Shannon Purser is on Rise, and so like she's she has a beautiful voice. Way to go, Ethel Muggs. Way to go, Barb. <laughs> anyway, Ethel and Kevin show off their amazing singing chops, and they're they go to the song, and then um, everybody goes into the auditorium, and they do these like very typical drama club exercises that I'm sure look weird as hell to like all non-drama nerds. But it's it is something that like you do to loosen up, and you do a lot of vocal exercises, and you have to do like weird mime games and, and not mind games, mime, m-i-m-e games. So I don't know. As Kevin says, welcome to Carry the Musical. So we're going to kind of go in a circle, in like a half circle, and everybody's going to say who they're playing. Archie is playing Tommy Ross, the boy next door, because of course. Betty is playing Sue Snell, the good girl, because of course. Veronica is playing Chris, the mean girl, because of course. Cheryl, which we knew from last week, is going to be playing Carrie, which for some reason requires her to stand because it's Cheryl and her middle name is extra and not Marjorie, no matter what Penelope says. And Josie says, (coughs) tone deaf. (coughs) I mean, dude, right? Because like, I guess this whole time it's supposed to be Ethel that should be playing Carrie because she's the one that has been treated so shitty by Veronica and not Cheryl. And Veronica's only helped Cheryl this season, but you know, 
fine. Josie's just pissed because, you know, she got a pig heart. Ugh. <laughs> I'd be pissed too. In fact, I wouldn't be at that school anymore. I would have transferred to Greendale by now. Anyway, so Cheryl sits down and Ethel's like, hey, who's going to play your mom? Margaret White. And then Alice busts into the term and she's like, I am. <laughs> because there's nothing Kevin finds more amateur than age inappropriate casting, he says. So then Chuck shows up late and it's like, it's supposed to be like, oh no, Chuck's here. Oh shit. Um, but I mean, he's fine. He's totally fine this episode, but he, he tells Jughead in the documentary that he's ready to reform his image, even if it means playing the villain but someone's got to do it. So I guess we like Chuck now. And then there's a scene like where Betty and Archie are like, I don't know, at like the prop table, craft services or something, which is a thing you have at the school play. Nah, no, not so much. Um, but he tries to talk to Betty about how weird it is that they're playing boyfriend, girlfriend while things are so strained. And even though the camera is rolling, like, Betty knows Jughead is there. He's made himself um, announced like it's not a secret that she is on film, but she just like straight up tells it like it fucking is about Veronica treating everyone like shit. And like she isn't wrong. Veronica has made some very poor and ignorant choices, but good God, Betty, maybe like keep your, your tea for off camera. Okay. Okay. Then we get a musical number just to prove that Cheryl can sing. But, like, how is she being autotuned in the auditorium? Huh? How is that a thing? But then as everyone is clapping for her, she does a really good job, by the way. She definitely proves herself. So just as everyone is clapping for her, a sandbag comes careening down from the catwalk, almost taking Cheryl out. Like, she must have said Macbeth or anger the theater ghost. There is always a theater ghost. Always. Our theater ghost, when I was in high school, would lock you in the costume attic. And unless somebody was up there with you, nobody could hear you. So I didn't go up there without our, our theater teacher. <laughs> we get zzz, Riverdale zzz, title card. Okay, so after commercial, Jughead is filming Kevin for the documentary when he confesses that after Cheryl's brush with the sandbag, he found a letter in his locker from someone claiming to be the Black Hood. The letter is, of course, like you know, it's comprised of letters cut out from, you know, different magazines. And it says, it, it reads, it's a sin that Cheryl is playing the role of Carrie. Fix this mistake or suffer the consequences. The Black Hood. Kevin can't understand how the Black Hood, who was shot dead by his dad, would write a letter. And Jughead is like, uh, yeah. And also pretty small potatoes for the guy who wanted Betty to bury Archie alive to play with the casting of the school play. I mean, and he, seriously. Then Kevin looks directly into the goddamn camera and tells Jughead, you can't tell anyone. Bro, you just said this on camera to the camera. What the fuck? Like, do you people not know how cameras work? It's a recording. If you don't want people to know, turn the fucking camera off and tell them in a secret. I... <laughs> Am I missing something? <sighs> then we get um, the most amazing costumes in another musical number. I did laugh out loud at the choreography 
this one because, because of sweet Archie. And look, this is in no way a dig on KJ Appa because he fucking nailed exactly how Archie Andrews from the comics and even the old cartoon would look doing the goofy theater dancing. But it's just so damn silly with all the snapping. Oh my gosh, that is my new favorite gif. I cannot wait for an excuse to use it. I am so excited. I just love it. <laughs> also, great job, Kevin. Perfect casting with Betty wanting to do the right thing and help Carrie and Veronica's character wanting to take her down. So my only issue with the whole thing is that the minorities in this instance are cast as the villains with Chuck and Veronica and the two super white bread kids are Carrie's saviors. Like Josie is playing the gym teacher. So it's a little better, but at this point, I didn't know that. We didn't know that yet in the show, and I was like, ooh. I mean, it, it makes sense with the characters on Riverdale and how they're cast, but it was just a thing that, like, normally it would make me squirm, so it was just something that I noticed. After rehearsal that day, Archie and Veronica are making out in the hallway because, again, why the hell would they be in class right now? I mean, they're at school and just making out in the hallway. Why aren't they, like, at home if school's out or you know in his kick-ass car or whatever speaking of Archie wants to keep the firebird parked at the Pembroke because it would trigger World War III if Fred found out that Hiram got him a car cue the lodges because of course and they're eating you know at their because their dining room is like their only set it seems like you know in most episodes poor poor Marisol Nichols <laughs> like she only gets to be in that damn dining room oh anyway Hermione asks Hiram if he thinks Fred actually has a shot at Mayor, and he goes on to say what a mess Fred's life is, but, like, dude, glass penthouses, bro. Like, you're literally an ex-con who people hate. Like, I know your your wife... Whoa, Freudian slip there. I know your wife doesn't have as many enemies in this town, but she is married to you, and everybody kind of fucking hates you, so... You know, don't be, like, throwing shade if you're getting even more... So Hiram just like relishes in Fred and Archie's strained relationship. And man, I didn't think I could dislike Hiram any more than I already did. But now, whoo, I officially want him to be swimming with the fishes. He, he should be hanging out with Papa Poutine in hell. And maybe they have great poutine in hell. Who knows? So since Jughead was sworn to secrecy about the Black Hood letter, naturally he shows Betty in the next scene. So she's going to be the most conspicuous person ever to try to get Ethel, of all people, to admit to being the Black Hood. Poor Ethel. Ethel's not pissed for getting passed up for Carrie. She's just mad that someone picked all of the M&Ms out of the trail mix. Um, yeah, girl, that's what trail mix is. M&Ms with obstacles. But then Ethel sees Jughead, and she does protest a bit too much. Super weird. So this is going to be our red herring. I don't know if any of you ever watched, like, the the Scooby-Doo, I don't know, Junior show. I can't remember what it was called. I think it was, it was called A Pup Named Scooby-Doo in the 90s. It was on Cartoon Network. And there was a character who was, his name is literally Red Herring. And they spent like the whole episode trying to prove how Red Herring, this kid, was the bad guy. And then, of course, it was someone else. And ever, like from then on, I like anytime there is a Red Herring in a mystery show that I'm watching, which is like all the time, or somebody says it, all I think of is that 
fucking cartoon. So like multiple times a day, I think of red herring from a pup named Scooby-Doo. And this time Ethel is that kid. So, um, anyway, that was a fun little tangent. <laughs> so Alice goes to Pops to visit FP and she's wearing like this purple rattlesnake print shirt and leather pants and a leather jacket, you know, to entice her old boy. I'm not mad at it. Girl, you get yours. You know, we, when we were all trying to pick someone up, we kind of put on what we think is gonna, you know, turn, turn their little snake eyes, but he's like, uh, piss off. I'm working. And apparently that's a thing he's done to her before because she's like, Oh no, no, no. I was worried that our kids were making our mistakes all over again, but it's us. Um, peace out. Bye. This was a bad idea. See you later. So I guess hashtag phallus, which I hate to even say out loud. It's gross, but FP and Alice is not going to be a thing now. Um, which should make for some less awkward, you know, moments with Betty and Jughead. So that's good. Even though I want them both to be happy. And I think they could be happy with each other because they're both really awesome when they're not being awful. <sighs> so Josie is playing the gym teacher, like we said. And even though technically Kevin, it's age inappropriate casting because she's not an adult, therefore couldn't be a teacher, but whatever. I guess we just need an excuse to get Alice in the play because she does fucking awesome as Margaret White. But anyway, Cheryl interrupts Josie's song to apologize for sending her a pig's heart and being fucking nuts in the Tales from the Dark Side. And <laughs> so they they carry on with the song. Josie accepts her apology. And the last line of the song is hearts, you know. Like the one Cheryl gave to Josie with. Dude, I still don't think I could come back from that. I mean, like, why didn't she go to the damn authorities? Like, I Cheryl was in a bad place, literally in a bad place, when Josie found out about, found out that, like, she was the one who sent her the black heart, or the pick heart, and pretended to be the black hood, but Jesus Christ. There's a girl that Ashley and I know who wanted me to put vinyl on a knife with my, like, my Etsy shop. And it's a knife that's so big that hunters refer to it as a pig sticker. And she wanted, she wanted me to do this for a gift for a friend of hers who got hurt. And I was like, well, that's a weird gift, but okay. And when she told me what kind of knife it was, it scared me like bad. And I like told my best friend and my husband, look, if I go missing, she probably stabbed me with this knife because it's you know, it's so big and it's like, it's really, really sharp. So if I go missing, check her truck because like she, she might have gutted me and it ended up, she never actually had me do the vinyl for it. Like she never brought me the knife to, you know, decorate. So either when she asked me the question, she either like recognized the panic in my face or she called off her plan to brutally murder me. Either way, phew. But I think if she had sent me a fucking heart, I would be, like, at the police department being like, um, you need to pick this bitch up and get her away from me. I need a restraining order. I need, I need her behind bars. I need her away. I might even move to a different state and change my name because that is creepy as fuck. I get more of Hiram being the worst, worst, worst. That's what he's going to do. He's just going to sneak in between these really good scenes and be awful. 
Veronica sings about being a top and Carrie being a bottom because that's a thing. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but um, then she gives Chuck Clayton a lap dance. Very nice. Fangs and Kevin are delighted at her performance. They are just in awe. And like, we all are. She did great. Veronica is just like, oh, thanks. Yeah, being off book and in full costume really helps. By the way, you never go full costume until dress rehearsal. That's why it's called dress rehearsal. You don't have these like days and days and days in full costume. <laughs> anyway, Betty gets up and calls bullshit and says that Veronica is the literal embodiment of Chris the bad girl, the mean girl in the play, and never has a role been so perfectly typecast. And that's why Veronica is performing, performing so well. So, oh snap, shots fired, y'all. Poor Fangs Fogarty was scared. Betty scared a goddamn gang member, yo. <laughs> like, I, I know he's the sweet one, but his name is Fangs, for Christ's sake, and she scared him. Oh, man. So Archie tells her to lay off because Veronica is going through some shit at home. But yeah, everyone is Archie. L literally all of you are going through some very tough shit at home. But nobody else is trying to like join the mafia and run the entire town except for you and Veronica. So just um, shut your beautiful trap. Okay? Okay. I guess he convinces her because during Tommy and Sue's love ballad, B&V makeup. And it is really sweet. And I'm happy that they made up because they, they do need to be friends. That's like very important, but I am mad at Veronica this, this season. Like she's been kind of awful and I'm starting to lose my willingness to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like I just, I know it's her parents and like you, you only get one mom and dad, but it, it just keeps coming with the bad decisions. But anyway, it was a beautiful song, though. I'm sure it's, like, awesome. I'm going to try to download um, all these songs later. So Hiram is uh, evil to Fred and Archie again. He, like, comes into Fred's workspace and, you know, mentions the car just, just to be a dick. Fuck that guy. Fred was hoping um, to find Archie's jalopy from the comics in the junkyard, you know, with that guy, Junkyard Steve, who I wanted to be my very best friend a few episodes ago when they found Jebediah Springfield's head in the fridge in the junkyard. Anyway, as predicted, Fred is upset and Archie is blindsided by other people's feelings and thoughts. Okay, so two things. Like, it irritates me when he, like, is forced to have empathy, <laughs> but also, so podcast listener Roger sent me this thing from Reddit that breaks down why Archie does these dumb things. And it definitely changed my view on his character. So ultimately it's because he's mentally ill and that's why he makes these dumb decisions. But here's a little bit of what the Redditor said. Um, so this is a direct quote. It says, Archie was molested by a trusted authority figure less than a year ago. He broke his hand, saving a classmate from killing herself. And then literally within 24 hours of saving Cheryl, which in itself would probably do plenty to fuck with a person's head, his dad got shot right in front of him and almost died. During an incident in which Archie was also held at gunpoint, the same attempted murderer forced his childhood best friend to try and bury him alive shortly after the fact. He essentially got bullied 
<laughs> threatened by a grown-ass middle-aged millionaire for having the audacity to engage in mutually consensual sex with his daughter, and now he's being manipulated by said millionaire because the dude's preying on his literal insecurity and lack of stability to keep Archie under his thumb, end quote. There's a bunch more after that, and it's it all makes perfect sense. Um, and... I feel awful that I've never thought about the effects of all of that shit that Archie has been through leading him to make these really dumb choices because we've all kind of given Betty the benefit of the doubt and Cheryl the benefit of the doubt when, um, when it comes to that stuff. And I do feel bad for not seeing Archie in the same light when he has really gone through some, some deep and dark shit. He has been through some, some tough times, but like it's, I guess it's much less calculated to a point that when you see Archie pulling shenanigans, you're like, oh, not again. Be smarter. Make smarter decisions. But, I mean, all of them have made really dumb choices. All of them. Betty, Jughead, Veronica. I mean, they, they, Cheryl, they all do really stupid shit. But at the end of the day, they're very young people. <laughs> and being forced in these very extreme situations that would be extreme even for adults. So I, I agree. Anyway, at the Cooper house, Betty walks in on a voicemail that Alice is leaving Chick saying that she's worried about him and she misses him. And apparently Chick's not calling her back because, you know, she kicked him out. Who knows if he even, I guess he has a phone because she has a number to call, but she's still his mama, even if he's a complete creep and probably the black hood. <laughs> she's still his mama. Um, Kevin gets another ransom style letter from the black hood. This time it says, this is your last warning to replace Cheryl. Next time the sandbag won't miss black hood. This time, no, the before black hood. Hmm. If this were a different show, that would mean something, but it's probably nothing. On this show. It's probably just, you know, different people running the props or they forgot. Continuity is not this show strong suit. So anyway, Cheryl is sitting next to Kevin in the school hallway and she will not have being have being recast as a thing. Like she is not having it. So Penelope comes waltzing in like she does, just like the last time when Cheryl was at the hospital right before she know, sent her away to conversion therapy. She comes, um, stomping down the hallway at school and she just tells him that she refuses to give parental approval to do the musical because the play is about a murderous telekinetic teen who kills her mother. Okay. So my question right now is where the fuck is Cheryl living? Because surely she's not at Thistle House. She's not staying there with her mother who admittedly wants to kill her and her uncle who wants to kill her, her uncle, who's definitely her dad, just saying. They're trying to kill Nana Rose. Is Nana Rose okay? Did Claudius actually kill her after the Bob Ross situation, after the army crawl? I just, I need answers on the logistics of Cheryl's life. Please. Is she staying with Tony? How is she getting her clothes? I just, somebody give me some answers. So anyway, Cheryl's out as Carrie. She's not going to do it. Kevin tells the rest of the cast that Cheryl will no longer be, um, no longer be playing the part of Carrie and everyone is, you know, respectfully aghast because like, what the fuck? 
he appropriately understates it when he says that Penelope Blossom is not exactly a stage mom, turns out. And then as Tony is like fucking pissed, um, he kind of gives her a side and tells her that she's by the bleachers at the gym or something. Tells her where she is so she can take off and go support her boo. And the understudy is going to take over and Ethel's like, what understudying is like, oh, I appointed one after the sandbag incident, you know, in case Cheryl died. <laughs> but it's Midge. Midge will be taking Cheryl's place. Ethel is clearly upset, um, but let's not make any big assumptions. Again, red herring. Pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Tony tells Cheryl that she needs to show her mom who's boss, and Cheryl reminds us that she has a few times, like, when she burnt down their fucking house or she cut off her mother's oxygen when she was dealing with acute smoke inhalation from when she burnt down their fucking house. <laughs> but she just thinks maybe she's not that same girl anymore. Like maybe she's not fucking psychotic. And uh, I don't know, but Tony's like, of course you are. You're still the biggest psycho ever. And I love you because of what a badass you are, even though you're terrifying. So we cut to Machen with some amazing singing chops as they're, um, they're basically doing the musical number around this famous line. So this is a weird thing, but there was this kid in my high school who could like impersonate this one line so good. And you'd think that it's not even a thing because that movie came out in the seventies and I was in high school in the very early aughts, but <laughs> it's the, they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> they turn it into a song. <laughs> and then she starts to slip. And instead of saying, my Carrie, she says, and again, I'm getting sick. My voice is terrible right now. She says, my Betty. And like the only people who notice are Betty and Jughead. <laughs> it's weird. But ultimately, the song turns into a plea for Betty to not leave her like like Betty's siblings and father have left. Oh my God. It's so awkward right there in front of like all of her friends and the rest of the cast. Oh, <laughs> the best line of the show naturally comes from Kevin and he turns to Fangs and says, am I directing a train wreck? And where's my tea? Damn Mariah. God, I love him. I love him so much. And why doesn't Fangs have any lines? If he's co-directing this, why don't we get like any, any sort of um, budding romance between him and Kevin. So it's just understood that he's co-directing because he always sits next to Kevin, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't get any lines. He doesn't like give any notes. He just sits there next to Kevin. So unless you've been paying attention to social media or um, listen to like other podcasts, you wouldn't know that Fangs is the co-director. Anyway, um, Alice gives on the, I think it's on the same bench that Kevin and Cheryl were sitting on, um, during the whole Penelope bullshit. And Alice just like gives her a monologue about all the people that she's driven away, except she doesn't mention Polly. <laughs> that made me like maniacally laugh a little bit. <laughs> like, she's more concerned with Chick whom she's known for like 10 minutes instead of her daughter that grew up in her house leaving her oh Alice you are such an enigma okay so 
Archie struggles with the action that he's taken this last season, and he goes to Hiram's office and he tells him to not get between him and his dad because that is a battle you will lose every time. And then he returns the key to the firebird! Yes! Okay, it only took an episode, but that's all I wanted last episode. I just wanted him to not accept that goddamn car. I just, I feel such a relief that maybe the Archie that we know and love is still in there somewhere. Like maybe he isn't totally corrupt. Maybe he isn't just like a villain on this show now. Maybe he's, there's still some of that good hearted boy that we know and love in there. All right, so it's opening night, and Hal shows up to the Cooper house with flowers for Betty and Alice. Clearly, Betty has called him and asked him to come home and try because, you know, Alice is really upset about driving everyone away, including him. And he has these flowers, and they're peonies. And unless it's June, those fuckers had to be shipped in from across the globe. And I bet that was expensive. And I know this because I really wanted peonies in my wedding bouquet, but we had a March wedding because we live in Texas and June weddings are fucking hot as hell here. So it was going to cost more money than my dress, which was like two grand to get flowers, to get peonies. And they would, they would have died in a few days. So I went with white roses and baby's breath and it ended up being like 200 bucks for the entire floral arrangement of the wedding, like bridesmaids, boutonnieres, corsages, table arrangements, my bouquet, the toss bouquet, all of it. Whole nine yards because your girl is frugal like that. Anyway, Alice says that they're peonies and and she's allergic to peonies. And how would you know that, Hal? I mean, we've only been married for decades. <laughs> it's like, Alice, you're pushing him away again. Like, I understand if you don't want Hal to be in your life. Like, if he's one of the people that you want to keep pushed away, I get it. Because he is a complete fuckwad. And for as much as I don't like Chick, and Chick is a creep, I am not okay with how Hal treated him before we knew that he was a creep. So anyway, he says that he'd really like to come back home if she'll have him. And she says, okay, but only if there are no more secrets between us. Betty, GTFO. We got to talk. It's grown-up talk time. So she sits him down and she tells him that Chick isn't his because, duh, he doesn't care. He just wants to come home. And he says that their secrets can't hurt them anymore. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they can. You guys just got picked up for season three. Woohoo! So I'm sure your secrets will, in fact, come back to hurt you because that's what this show is. That's what all good mystery shows are, are your secrets coming back to haunt you. At the Andrews garage, which is notably no longer soundproofed and stripped of like all of its season one coolness, by the way, no more couch, no more musical instruments because Archie sold them. We are introduced to the character that we've all been waiting for, Archie's jalopy. <laughs> this is like one thing that I remember from the comics so well is Archie's car that was always breaking down. He never had money to fix it. And it's, it's just part of Archie. That's like part of who Archie is, is this car. And I'm, I just want to say, I'm so proud of our boy, Fred. I know he's put us through some tough times this year, but I think he might be all right. Oh, Fred, don't cry. I can't handle it. Such a touching scene. (sighs) 
my heart. Okay, cut to the dressing room where the cast continues singing the song from the top of the episode. And in Veronica's mirror, there's a flyer for Lease, a rock opera. <laughs> it's obviously the Barnabys of Rent. And I like to think I would have noticed this on my own, but alas, it was the Sweet Kids at River Dish another podcast that's better than mine <laughs> they pointed it out on twitter and i commented with what i assume the names for the characters in lease are like so roger will be rodney mimi is nini collins is jack daniel so on and so forth you get it i thought it would catch a few more likes you know from the this like weird intersection of broadway fans and riverdale fans but no such luck <laughs> turns out it's still just me who thinks i'm so funny well, take me, baby, or leave me It's all I have to say about that. And if you get that, let's be best friends if you got that reference. Oh, my God, Kevin's Tux. Oh, my God. It's it's the, the blue beauty from every 70s parody that we've ever seen. The blue, the powder blue tuxedo with the ruffle shirt and the giant bow tie. Like, it, it's, oh, I love it. I love it so much. And what can I even say about this whole sequence? Like, Tony is my new favorite pop star. Cheryl, like, fucking covers herself in blood <laughs> during this whole thing. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, so let's let's just do the Jason part. <laughs> or the Jason part. Let's just do the Cheryl part. Um, because I, the the singing part was awesome. But let's let's get to this because this is this is the real meat of the plot. This is some shit that, that happened that wasn't just like delightful. It was incredible. So Cheryl walks into Thistle House completely drenched in blood in her Carrie costume. So she looks just like Carrie and she's holding a candelabra much like in the season finale of season one. And she comes in and she tells Penelope, this is Jason's blood. This is daddy's blood. The next blood to spill is yours. You are in cahoots with daddy's twin. You tried to kill Nana Rose, and then you shipped me off to a ghoulish nunnery. But your depraved gambits are finished. If you so much as pluck one hair from Nana Rose's little head, I will end you. I've burned one house down. I'll happily burn another one down. And <laughs> Penelope is like, dear God, nightmare child, what do you want from me? Are you fucking kidding me? She wants you to either be a good mom or leave her alone. Quit fucking torturing her. Quit being a terrible person. Cheryl says that she wants to be emancipated. She wants Thistle House all to herself and her Nana. And she says, you, mommy, you and Uncle Claudius are pig people. And you deserve to live amongst the pigs. Yes, queen. Yes. Cheryl... Oh, God, she's my favorite. Like, so everybody else that I know that watches this show, they're always like, oh, my God, Cheryl's so crazy. She's so mean. She's such a bitch. Oh, my God. And I'm I'm like, yeah, but she's the best. Like, this show wouldn't be interesting or fun to watch if Cheryl wasn't in it, if she wasn't there in the mood for chaos, if she wasn't there getting her, her you know, her heart broken by her family at every turn. Like, Cheryl is the heart of this show. She really is. Like, I love Betty. I love Jughead. I love Archie. I'm angry at Veronica right now, but I love her too. We all know how much I love Kevin, but I just think Cheryl is the heart of this show. I just, ugh, I just want to hug her forever. 
So after commercial, we get a really good glimpse of the Playbill, which I'm actually really surprised that they got like the real name Playbill and it's not like Bill Play or something stupid. That was, that was interesting. Um, so the front is the carry poster that we've seen all over social media for like the last three months. And the back cover is a campaign ad for Hermione. It says Hermione Lodge building the future. And there's like an American flag. And then uh, over the American flag, there's a button that says, remember to vote. And at the bottom it says lodge for mayor and not the best graphics, but understandable for what I'm assuming are Veronica's graphic design skills. Cause it looks a lot like this stuff she had designed for Fred. Um, but maybe if she went to class ever, she might've gotten the chance to take graphic design. So, you know, and speaking of Hermione, she comes in walking to the auditorium all like shaking hands and kissing babies and stuff. And then FP walks in behind her and notices hashtag Hallis. So he bounces. Um, he is apparently very upset about that. And I mean, you were mean to her earlier. What do you want? She's in a really weird place with her life. Then we're going to go backstage and Kevin opens the door to Midge's um, dressing room and Fangs is suspiciously giving her some last minute notes. Like they like jump apart from each other. What was that all about? Then Jughead goes into Ethel's dressing room for uh, like a last interview before the show and she's not in there, but he sees in her trash can, it's stuffed with magazines with letters all clipped out and then duh, duh, duh. She's right behind him. She says that it's for her vision board and it kicks him out. But, like, of course we think it's her writing the letters, but is it really? I mean, gosh. And then Moose comes and he, like, almost runs over Jughead in his polyester getup that I find oddly attractive. And I'm not sure what that says about me. But let's take note that he was backstage and he was angry. And then Betty, Veronica, Archie, and Chuck are in the big dressing room. And okay, so like, why do they get a joint dressing room and Ethel gets her own? Like, she's a part of the ensemble. Why does she have her own dressing room? But anyway, they're running more theater kit exercises, some vocal exercises, some that I should probably do before I start recording these podcasts so I don't keep tripping over my own words. <laughs> but that takes time and energy, and I'm severely lacking on both of those fronts. So, hmm, whatever. Veronica tells Chuck's, hey, tells Chuck, hey, thanks for not being a total douchebag. So this means his pariahship is over. And then Chick walks in and it's super fucking creepy. And he says that he would like never miss a chance to see her like that. Um, yeah, he is a total fucking creep in this scene. So cut to the play is happening and Machen um, further entrances herself in my heart until, oh my God, oh my God, oh my fucking God, oh my God, oh my God. The set that is like the White's house, it gets pulled up into the theater and Midge is fucking dead, stabbed to death and literally stuck to a wall with knives. Jesus H. Christ. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So I must contain myself. Written in freaking blood is a note on this wall from the black hood that says, I am back from the dead. All those who escaped me before will die. B-H. Oh, and okay. So before we even get to the title card, I shouldn't have done that yet. But so 
everyone sees this and Cheryl looks at Kevin because after she scares the shit out of her mom, she goes to the play and sits by Kevin and she's like, Kevin, did you change the blocking of this scene? Um, is she not, why is she not on her knees praying? And then she realizes that Midge is actually dead and she's like, somebody help her, somebody help her. And then Alice turns around and she gives the best scream queen scream like oh my god it was so good and then the entire audience just flips shit there's like a riot and you can see in in this like scene where everybody's like getting up and running to the stage chick is just sitting down quietly and looking at the stage hmm. duly noted but and of course everybody noticed that when jughead gets up his first thought is betty and he runs to the stage but oh my god Oh my God. So, holy shit, you guys. Okay. So, um, we'll be back, um, later with Ashley for segments. That was the episode. And I am still just like, Oh, I am, I am so, I don't even have the words. I'm just, I'm just all for clumped. I am. It, it was a musical episode that didn't suck. Fred and Archie made up. Betty and Veronica made up. The black hood is back. I'm just, I'm just all for clumped. Uh, okay. Hold, hold that, hold those thoughts and I'll be back with Ashley. And we're back. Ashley's with me this time. Hi. And I'm like uber duper super sick today. So my voice is even worse. Yay. Congrats, everybody. Go ahead and throw your phone across the room. I know it's what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, before we get into your thoughts and opinions on this episode, do you, do you, like, have you ever watched Carrie, uh, musical or otherwise? Um, I watched the original with Sissy Spacek. Okay, me too. I loved it. Uh-huh. Scared me when I first watched it, because right. it's very, very creepy. But when I got older, I watched it again. I did. I mean, Sissy Spacek was amazing in that movie. She mm-hmm. nailed that part. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed the movie, and I think they did a remake. I wasn't too yeah. crazy on the remake. No, I mean, I was scared both times when I watched it because I was, like, 12. Right. Um, but, yeah, I saw The Rage carry two in theaters. Okay. And, yeah, I remember, like, crying because I was so scared. It's probably stupid now. Well, because well, I when I was young when I watched the original Carrie, and then uh-huh. I waited a few years until I was, like, in my 20s and watched it again. Uh-huh. Liked it that time. Yeah. And then I think it was probably because The Rage just came out or something. Well, I, I think we were pretty young. I remember being in middle school okay, when The Rage not. came out. But... I can't remember, but I do remember watching that and not liking it. Okay. So. The only thing I remember from The Rage is um, Brad from Home Improvement. His, like, wiener got shot off. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only thing I remember about that movie other than like sitting with my hands over my eyes in yeah, the I wasn't a fan of the second one but I did like the original so whenever yeah. they said they were doing a Carrie the Musical I was kind of intrigued like how would you turn that into mm-hmm. a musical and then I was also scared because usually a lot of times whatever TV shows go the musical route it's usually a 50-50 chance of it being right. either freaking awesome right. or absolutely horrible. Right. It could be Buffy where it's really good. Yes. And super entertaining. Or it could be Pretty Little Liars where you're like, this is an hour of my life. I'll never get back. Yes. So. Yes. And I love Pretty Little Liars. But that too. episode was. It was trash. And, and it wasn't even a musical episode. It was one number. It was Jailhouse Rock sung by Mona because Arya was having like a fever dream. Yep. Because she had cold feet. Like that. They built it up as the musical episode and it, it wasn't. I mean, Janelle Parrish did great. But, like, it was... 
it was bad TV. It was bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that musical episode of Buffy is probably one of my favorites oh, my of the entire I, I just series. watched it for the first time like two nights ago and I was like... It is amazing. Amazed. <laughs> Get the mustard <laughs> out! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, okay, so what, what were your thoughts and opinions on this episode? Um, okay, so you know the emoji where, like, his mind is, like, blown? Yes. That is exactly how I felt. <laughs> like, my mind was completely blown, my jaw dropped, the ending, I was like, what the f Yeah, I almost threw my laptop across the room. I was in complete shock, I mean, because... What? 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 And then the whole thing with the black hood, I kind of completely agreed with Jughead. And I was like, there's no way that it could be the black hood. I mean, just to recast Carrie, that's stupid. Right. I mean, really? He's killed people and he wants Carrie to be recast? Right. That makes no sense. So that was kind of funny to me. Like, But also kind of like, why would you... Yeah, no, leading up to it, I was like, why would the Black Hood even care? Like, yes. he tried to get Betty to bury Archie alive, yeah. and now he's worried about who's starring in the school play, and then he fucking stabbed Midge to a wall. Like, yeah, and it's just like, um, so I think there's, I really, okay, this is completely different subject, but kind of sort of on the same thing. I really do think that Chick is uh, Jughead and Betty's brother. Uh-huh. FP's kid. Yes. They're, they're, they're all siblings. They just don't know it. Mm -hmm. And then I also secretly think that Chick is the Black Hood. I kind of think Chick is the Black Hood, too, because, like, so at the end when everybody was freaking out and, like, running, you know, like, when the he audience was just sitting out, there. He just sat there. He was just sitting there, like, admiring his work. And yes. And sitting here going, creepy. Yeah. So. So, I mean, yeah. to me, that's, like, oh, that's super suspicious. But... Like, I also feel like I'm just waiting for them to, like, pull the rug, the rug, the rug out from underneath my feet and be like, nope. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, like, as far as the singing goes for everybody, we all knew Betty, Veronica, Josie, mm -hmm. and Archie could all sing. Right. We all knew that. Ethel, holy hell. Well, she's on Rise. Okay, I didn't remember her singing at all, but damn, that girl's got some vocals. Yeah, she does. She is amazing. And then Tony, of course, you know, she's okay. But uh -huh. Cheryl, I can't really decide. She's a beautiful girl, great actress. But when it comes to singing, it's one of those where you're like, do not make a singing career. Yeah, I think she did really good for, like, a high school musical. And yes. they auto-tuned the shit out of her voice. Yes. And... But I think, like, for what it was, it was fine. Like, yes. she's not someone who goes on to sing, like, in every episode, like, Veronica or Josie, so. Right. Which is kind of why I was kind of glad, because I was like, yeah. you know, she's an okay did, singer, but. Did, did Betty sound weird to you? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Because, like, so I downloaded all the songs mm -hmm. from the Carrie for, that they did, and, and she, like, Lily Reinhardt's accredited on the songs, but, like, from everything we've heard her sing, her voice is very low and very deep. And then she was, like, straight up for soprano in those songs. And it was... I, I'm not saying it wasn't her, but, like, the words didn't match her mouth that was moving. And, I mean, maybe, like, they just had to work really hard in the studio to get that noise out of her. But They I just, may have, yeah. I just didn't think that sounded like Lily Reinhardt. No. And I didn't like, because, like, on previous songs that she's done, I've really liked her singing. Yeah, She was very good, very talented. This one, I wasn't... I mean, I liked it, but it was so different that it was it jarring. It was forced. It was, like, 
that's not the same voice we've heard, mm-hmm. you know, in Mad World or even when she's saying happy birthday. Like, yeah, I think it was more of, I think it was more forced and that's why it was yeah. off is because it wasn't her normal singing voice. Right. And she was trying to do songs and things that she's not used to doing. Right. So she more or less had to force her voice to make those notes, to right. hit those notes. So that's kind of how I felt about it. I mean, she was okay, but it wasn't the greatest. I mean, right. I, we've obviously heard her sing better. Yes. Yes, I agree. So... Maybe show choir just isn't her jam. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, so we'll just jump into segments because I know both of us want to go find something to eat. Um, the most Archie Comics moment of the Jalopy, obviously. Oh, yeah. The car. For yeah. sure. I mean, I don't know that they've ever, like, done a musical comic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've mm-hmm. ever done, like, a school play like that. I'm sure they have. Plenty of times, but I don't know that they've ever done Carrie the musical. I will say, kind of going back to Archie a little bit off the subject, that whenever mm-hmm. what he did when he told Veronica's dad, you know, don't ever come between me yes. and my dad, I was very proud of him I for that. so proud of him. And when he gave the car back and then whenever he got a junker, uh-huh. that just melted my heart because you could just see Luke. Oh, he started crying. Like, I mean... It, and it didn't even feel like it was acting. Like, it, you no. Could, it felt, like, genuine and authentic. And, like, it, you could see any dad reacting that way. Yeah. So, it just, that, I was very proud of Archie for that. Mm-hmm. And that part was probably one of my favorites throughout the entire episode. Yeah, me too. Like, I loved that. Yeah. But, I mean, for a lot of this season, I felt, like, very emotionally, um separated from Archie or I don't get Mm -hmm. like I understand his intentions I understand like how hurt he is and um like you know he's been through a lot of trauma so he's not gonna make good decisions as a teenage boy but I just I couldn't get on board with him so much especially these last few where he's like blowing up cars and shit Mm -hmm. um that's not Archie. That's no. not the Archie we all know and love. That's not why we started watching this show. Yeah. You know? And so for him to turn around and tell Hiram to fuck off and to um, sell, you know, what he needed to to get his jalopy, which is, like, almost an, its own character in the comics itself, like, that was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. that made me feel like, okay. And, I, that, and that was definitely the most Archie yeah. moment, I think, of the entire yeah. show. So that was, that was good. Okay. So for the best Blossom Burn... There were so many. <laughs> well, and I feel like everyone's expecting me to say when Cheryl put Penelope in her fucking place with a candelabra in her hand. Oh, hell no. It was whenever Betty, like, shut Veronica down. Oh, that was awesome, too. Holy fuck. I was like, my jaw dropped. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, Betty is coming for blood. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that, too. But my favorite one... <laughs> Is when so Penelope is in the school hallway and Kevin and Cheryl are yes. on the bench and Kevin goes to get up and Cheryl just puts the back of her hand on his shoulder and sits him the fuck down like her the back of her hand like her backhand is her superpower yeah <laughs> and he was like oh okay um, never mind and she's like no you're not leaving you are my shield <laughs> sit your ass down don't move where the fuck do you think you're going yeah yeah no <laughs> that was pretty good like it was no sad breakfast club or nightmare smurfette but it was it was pretty badass it was awesome i was like yes but i mean the whole like candelabra thing was amazing too uh, yeah i want to oh. be emancipated and i want this whole house and i'm like damn but she was like 
This is Jason's blood. This is Daddy's blood. The next blood to spill is yours. Yeah, that was freaky as oh, fuck. Shit. I was like, dear God, please don't let that be real human blood because that would be really, 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 really Well, freaky. Madeline Patch said on Instagram that she checked to make sure it was vegan blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so uh, for good, bad funnies, is there a particular good that you had? Other than the Archie in the car, that was my favorite. Um, I'm not quite sure as far as the other good. I think that's probably about yeah. it. I had I had a lot. So I feel like this episode had everything I've ever wanted. So like Kevin had lines. FP had more than one appearance. Hiram and Penelope were taken down a notch by teenagers and where they needed to be. Archie finally got his jalopy. Um, the Black Hood mystery came back, so maybe this season will like have some sort of continuity after yeah, all. Yeah, some sort of closure as to what the what. Yeah, because yeah, that didn't make sense no. when when it was the janitor. So hopefully we get some real fucking answers on that because we've taken a big break from it, and it was kind of like hurting my feelings for them to expect me to believe that 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 was it. Um, and musical theater was involved and it didn't like hurt my heart. Like I wasn't, they did it very tastefully. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So was there a bad for you? Why didn't Jughead sing? Because, okay. So there is like one video on the internet of the Sprouse twins singing for like some Disney channel showcase thing. Uh, And it's terrible. Yeah. And, like, he has said several times, because people have asked, like, a musical episode, like, a bunch of times since the show started, and he's like, I just got out of a, like, 15-year-long career with Disney and didn't have to sing. Why would I want to start now? He just, he just can't. He's just not a singer, so. Well, I like how whenever they did put him as the videographer, yeah. so he recorded all of it. Uh-huh. So he didn't, he didn't have to sing, but he was there. He was right. present. He was there. So I did like how it. they did that. Right. And if there was somebody who was going to document everything, like he's it the best It has to choice. be Bug, yeah. And, um, and he, uh, I think he's going to be the best person to go back and look at the tape and see what clues we can find for who was on that stage to do that to Mitch. Yeah. Okay, so for funny... Kevin's tuxedo is my funny. <laughs> it's that. Oh, of course, Kevin dresses in costume even when he's not in the play. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. Did you have a different funny? No, I think that was probably about mine too. I didn't really. It wasn't really very funny yeah. in this episode. So it wasn't I can't really... super funny. It was a lot of jaw drops and like, oh snap. Yeah, it was a lot of oh shit. Yeah. So like, there wasn't really funny. Like, it was. Just... Yeah. And then whenever Cheryl put it, the hand on the back, that to me was yeah. more funny than a, was funny. A, a burn, but I did like it. No. I think I think more so than being a burn, it was just like my favorite Cheryl moment. <laughs> so that's where I put There's it. There's a lot of them. I know. <laughs> I love her so much. Oh, I do like the part whenever they said something about when they recast uh, Cheryl to Midge. Uh-huh. And um, they were talking about it, and Tony didn't even ask. And Kevin just flat out says, I think Cheryl's by the bleachers. And then continues talking like, yeah, like just completely passes over it. Oh, there was a funny at the very, very beginning of the show, whenever they're all singing and then they just sit down like nothing happened. And I was like, are you kidding me? You guys just had a full on musical number and you're just going to sit down and start talking. That to me was hilarious. I was like, okay. Oh, that's great. Okay. So for changes if we were in the writer's room what changes would we make you have anything 
Because I'm going to go on kind of a, a diatribe here. I'm trying to think. I would have at least given Ethel a shot. Yeah. Or had a scene of where they, like, had a, like, a sing-off battle or something. Yeah. Like, that's what I would have I changed. Agree. I would have given at least the midge, the midge, given midge and Ethel, Ethel, like, a sing-off to where they choose who's going right. to be the next And, character. you know, it would have even made sense to kill off Ethel since Shannon Purser has, like, other obligations going on. Sorry if you guys can hear that. The microphone just fell. Um, but I'm not editing that out. So, um, I think it would have made sense if, if the Black Hood killed Ethel because, uh, you know, she's, the actress has other obligations. She can't always be there every week. Um, I mean, maybe her, maybe her storyline's going to develop further mm -hmm. with, since it kind of looks like, well, I mean, even if Midge still st stuck as the Carrie character, I mm -hmm. would have liked to have seen, seen Ethel get a chance. Yes. Because I feel like that was very unfair. I mean, mm -hmm. the quiet girl who's a little bit heavier, they're mm -hmm. automatically just going to skip over her because she's yeah. not what they think Carrie should be. Right. That part upset me. Yeah. Because they just was... I'm sorry, everybody should get a shot for everything. It yeah, should not matter so. anything. Yeah, I think Ethel had a right to be pissed off because I yes. she I mean, um Midge has a wonderful singing voice, but Ethel is like fucking phenomenal. Yes. Um so she definitely deserved a shot. So we've I'm trying to get through this so we can go because I'm hungry. <laughs> um my uh my changes were I would either write in like a scene for Val and Mel to participate because hello like they have more musical talent than the lot of the rest of them and I mean I know Haley Law is in such high demand so maybe like we could have another scene where Mel says oh Val has strap throat again you know like they did at the milkshake one but like what the fuck how are they gonna have a musical without the pussycats yeah no I was kind of shocked at that where it was just Josie and nobody else so it was yeah. like Wait a minute. I mean, I know that they're like not friends anymore, and she's but been it's a from the band, musical. but it's the school. <laughs> yeah, it's for the whole school. And yes, Haley Law is like in movies and in Altered Carbon and like all this shit, but Mel isn't. And like nothing against Asha Brom. I follow her on Instagram, and like she has a lot of great endorsement things going on, but she's like not in anything that I know of. So. I think they could probably call her to set. She she's only had two or three lines the entire series. It wouldn't hurt to like have no. her there. Like that hurt my feelings to not have Valor Mel. Um, I just hate that like they act like the Pussycats aren't even a thing anymore. They obviously are. It's Archie. Hello. <laughs> right. Read the damn comics, people. Right. Okay, so for theories, um, I mean, Ethel has to be a red herring, right? Because they focus so hard on her that it... Yeah. It, um, so I have a couple of questions. Why was Moose so pissed off right before the show started? Because he, like, almost ran Jughead over and he was visibly pissed. Mm -hmm. I think we'll find out in the next episode. Yep. Um, could be Chick. He was backstage when he wasn't supposed to be, after all. Um, Sheriff Keller was backstage and he had no other scenes in this episode so could it be like this is something that we're gonna see when we like yeah inevitably get a flashback episode of all the things yep. that tie to why it's him yep so um, who else was backstage 
uh, FP never went backstage. FP showed up, turned around, and walked back, which yeah. kind of broke my heart. Yeah, but... it broke my heart too, but also, like, I was kind of happy because it was going to be real awkward with Betty and Jughead, and I don't want them to break up again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there were a lot of people backstage. In what was the notebook that Hal handed Alice that FP saw, he handed her, like, a composition book. I just want to know what that was about. I feel like that was a clue to something, mm -hmm. but then again, it's Riverdale, so it's probably not. I will say that the the, the scene wherever Hal said that he had a feeling that Chick wasn't his, which pretty much well preluded to Chick and FP are related. Yeah, but, I mean, Alice has come out and said that it couldn't be him, but like I feel like it's totally him. It's got to be. If him. they don't name somebody as his dad, then like it's. Well, see, and I think it was because, like, she said because of something unspoken that happened years ago. Mm -hmm. My thing is that he, Hal and Alice were together. Alice did something stupid. It got pregnant. Uh -huh. And Hal knew it wasn't his. And he knew for years. Yeah. And that's something that he held over Alice. Uh -huh. You know, kind of like... Oh, God, what do you want to call it? Like a grudge kind of thing? Yeah. And so then when she finally confessed and said that, and he said, you know, I don't care. It's in the past. Mm -hmm. I knew he wasn't mine. I still want to be with you. I was half-ass expecting Alice to say no. Right. But I was so happy that Hal came back and said, look, I'm sorry. Right. I screwed up. You screwed up. We're still married. We need to get through this right. and work through it. For as much of a terrible person as Hal has been, yes. especially this season, circling the whole chick situation I was proud of him it he it did endear him to me mm -hmm. a little bit because I've been kind of like he's the worst and yeah I hate him but yeah it just kind of goes to show you know that uh, marriage is hard marriage is real hard sometimes I mean good marriages aren't like super super hard but they are they do they, take yeah. work I mean and and I was talking to somebody about this the other day is that a lot of people in our generation are like oh well if it gets too hard or you know I can always just divorce this person or something you know that's not necessarily the case all the time right but I feel like a lot of people go in with that mindset uh -huh. and that just hurts my heart because it's like that's not what marriage is about yeah marriage is hard work you have to compromise you have to forgive you right. have to move on you can't hold grudges right and that just spoke volumes to me because it was like here's a couple on tv that were facing divorce they've apologized they've moved on mm -hmm. they're working through it and they're going to stay together right i loved that. right i like that and and i will say i mean i love my husband with my whole heart but there are things that I would divorce him over. Oh, God, yeah. Right. I'm like, saying the I don't, same thing with mine, and I'm sure there's things that my husband would say the exact yeah. same thing about me. So, I don't, so. I don't want it, because I feel like there are a lot of people in generations before us that the reason why they were married for, like, 40, 50, 60 years is because they didn't want to have the shame in a divorce, even though they were being abused or they were being cheated that, on and stuff. Those two things, get out. Yeah. But I'm just, my thing is, like oh, well, I just don't like this about this person and I'm just yeah. tired and I want to change. So I'm going to go ahead and divorce them and move on. Right. That's the mentality that, that I'm right. talking about. And that shit's expensive. No crap. And I, the reason why I say this is because I'm not going to name this person, mm -hmm. but they actually said to me, the day of their wedding, oh, well, if this doesn't work out, they're okay for my first husband. I wanted to strangle her. Oh my god! I was like, that is not what marriage is about. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be doing this. If, if you're going that into it with that mindset, yeah, 
you don't need to be getting married at all. Right. And that was my thing is that, you know, there's, there's several things that you, right. We could both be single parents at this point. Yes. But at the end of the day, you have to weigh your options. Right. And see, this is the hot takes you get from <laughs> this podcast because we're not just grown ass adults, but we're like married with families mm-hmm. and you don't get that from all the other real podcasts because everybody's like young and hip and cool. <laughs> yeah. And like they haven't really experienced life. And I'm, yeah. I will be the first to tell you from my life experiences, uh-huh. your twenties are awesome. Have fun. Yeah. Be stupid. Don't be tied down. Right. But then when you get through that stupid phase, like 22, 23, you know, when uh-huh. you get your 21st year out of the way. Right. Honey, settle down, do whatever you want to do. But that at least have one day when you're 21 where you're absolutely single uh-huh. and you have no obligations and no responsibilities because you need that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things because Cameron and I have been dating since I was 19 and there's some, like, I don't regret any of the time we've been together, but there are times that I'm like, I never had that like wild youth, you know? Yeah. I think I had maybe, like, a month of it, and then I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I was like, I'm done being young and stupid. I'm ready to, like, grow up and have a relationship and settle down, you know? Yeah. And I think that's whenever John and I got serious, and Uh we were like, okay, we've both been young and stupid and Uh had our fun, and I think that's why it works out so well with us is because we're both very understanding, very forgiving, and, Uh and... he has the patience of a saint. Well, he'd have to, honey. With me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he does. And so, like, I love him to death, but it's just, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, it's real hard. And I think some at the end of the day, like, what gets me and Cameron through just, like, day-to-day stuff is that we're the only two people we want to spend time with. Exactly. Like, I don't want to spend like hours upon hours of time with anybody mm-hmm. but I can with him because he gets my like stupid shit and I get yes. his stupid stuff and we can make the same jokes that nobody else gets yes and that's that that you say that uh-huh. I can go on hour-long road trips with just my husband and I and uh-huh. not say a word yeah and be completely perfectly content not have to yes. say anything not have to have a conversation not have to listen to music or anything just sit there and that's it right and I have not been able to do that with anybody oh no so it's 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 little things like that and the other day this made me fall in love with him he showed up at lunch didn't tell me anything that he was coming nothing just pulled up beside my car and said hey good looking you want to go to lunch oh i was like oh see this is why i married you right here that's really sweet it's just little bitty things like that yeah i don't know but i love that part that part in the episode was probably one of my favorites and it was very Mature, like yes. I think the, the our age group Understand. appreciated yeah. and understood. That. I feel like there are a million like teens and the younger side of millennials that are pissed the fuck off because mm-hmm. they wanted FP and Alice to get together. Because right. and Hal has been the worst. He has been an absolute dick. He and I'm not gonna forgive anything that he's done, but I mean that that it, that was like. A good, I mean, I want them to go to marriage counseling. Oh, God, yeah, yes. <laughs> but, they uh, still have a lot of stuff that they need yeah. to work through, but that part made me very, very proud. Yeah, me too. Okay, so uh, Sabrina news. I shared this on my recap earlier this week of season one, episode 11, but, like, the only news I've heard recently since they're in production, there's not, like, a lot of new stuff coming out. Um, Bronson Pinchot, who played Balky on Perfect Strangers. Okay. Or he was um, Jean-Luc on Step by Step. Yes. <laughs> in, like, the later crappier seasons. he um, He's going to play the evil Principal Hawthorne. Okay. So that's cool. 
um, Skeet's dad Graham corners since we got to see, but not here unfortunately because he had like no lines, but we got to see a lot of Fangs Fogarty this episode. Um, I'm picking a post from Jerry Tanner who plays Fangs and he posted this on this Monday, so just a few days ago, and the picture is him like weirdly like squatting on the sidewalk. Kind of like Drake and Hotline Bling, but like, yeah. but it's weird. And he's got like an open um, Zippo lighter in his hand. And his caption says something like, if you listen closely, you can hear the kids say it was lit. I don't know. Like, it was, um, he, is, he is the cutest goober in the world. He is. He is so sweet. Um, but Skeet's comment was, dude, public, public defecation is illegal. <laughs> yes! <laughs> There's like this smug side. <laughs> it was awesome because everybody else's comment was like hotline bling. <laughs> Ski's comment was like, you can't shit in the road, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Oh, one thing I've noticed about Skeet, so this isn't like a, well, it is kind of Instagram because I've noticed all this from Instagram, but um, I'm pretty sure him and Vanessa Morgan, who plays Tony Topaz, are, are together. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, FP or Fangs? No, FP. FP and Tony Topaz. Skeet Ulrich, who is 47, and Tony Topaz, who is probably like, what, 21, 22? Holy crap. Yeah. And like, cause they've been, they, they were like real flirty in Paris and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And like, he's made some like kind of forward comments on her pictures when I'm like, eh, I kind of post that to everybody. And then she's been staying at his house a lot lately and they went on like an ice cream date yesterday or fro-yo date, I should say. Um, but this morning I shouldn't have done this, but I was at a stoplight and I was going through my Insta stories. I saw one that she posted last night where she was at his house with his dog and she had like peanut butter on her finger and the, she was like kind of getting the dog to run around and the comment was, um, we're home all alone with no one to snuggle us. And I was like, okay, so she's definitely not a house guest. Like they are fucking, <laughs> like that is, that is a thing that is happening. There's no like Lily Reinhardt, Cole, Cole Sprouse, are they, aren't they? Like mystery. Oh, they for sure are. Well, they for sure are, but, like, you know, for a while there was no, like, hard facts, but, like... I wish I was Tony Topaz right now. No shit! <laughs> Sorry! I saw that and I was like, damn, I felt like I was too young for him at 31, <laughs> but good God! <laughs> oh my God, I'm just sitting here going, damn, I wish I was her. Right? It's just for a night. Right! <laughs> He's number one on my succession list, like... <laughs> Can we just make it happen? Oh my god. Oh god. Okay, so um we both want to eat. <laughs> We're really hungry. So I think that's it for this week. It was a fucking amazing episode. Mm -hmm. I watched it again last night. I feel like there should probably be like a corrections corner where I said some of the wrong things in my recap yesterday, but I don't have the energy to even care. So come at me, tweet me, whatever. You're right. Um, we'll be back next week with a recap of chapter 32, Prisoners. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I got a really awesome review um, from Great Britain. I don't know how old it is because... Can I read it? Um, yeah, because I, I'm not very good about checking the... Um, the other country do you have to go like country by country on itunes like you have to I change have no your, idea. your web address um to like the country code 
to see like if there are any reviews it's it's a total pain in the ass but I just happened to because I know I have a few subscribers in England and like I had a really nice interaction on Twitter with with a girl named Helen in England last week and so I was like I just wonder if anybody's like mm -hmm. put a review up so I saw that yesterday Ashley's gonna read it okay this is uh, from phone box rocks and it's he she we don't know. We don't know. Five stars, though. Five stars. It says, easily one of the best Riverdale podcasts out there. All the recaps are down to earth and call out the bits of the show that are ridiculous, even though we all love those bits anyway. You can tell the host really does enjoy the show and has fun making the podcast, which makes listening that much more worthwhile. So, thank you, um, Phone Box Rock. That, like... That made my whole day yesterday. I like took a picture of it on my phone and like sent it to my husband and like to my family. Like, see, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I know you think I'm super weird, but somebody likes it. So, um, anyway, thank you so much. If you want to put, um, if you want to review, five stars are always appreciated. But whatever you, however many stars you see fit. Um, but these ratings and reviews help us get seen by other Riverdale fans um so definitely help us out and I'll read your review on air if um even if it's bad we should you should do that you should yeah. make it to where you read like alternate each week mm -hmm. have like a bad review or a good review right the way they kind of sort of get it and then well and so far the only people that are reviewed are this person and oh. you and my best friend <laughs> so like I didn't read those because I'm like oh that's cheating yeah. but it's <laughs> true but if um if any of you out there um in earbud land want to post a review I'd really appreciate it and I will read it on um on the podcast so um, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, I'm at Sharibi. I changed my Instagram, my Instagram, my Instagram um, handle to match my Twitter just to make things easier. So it's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E. -E -E -E. Ashley is ashjohn13. That's what I thought. And you can always email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com if you have like any cool articles or anything. Um, I know a couple of you like to do that and it's it's awesome. Um, or maybe you think like your blossom burn was better or there's like an Archie moment that I missed. Um, or you just want to talk about anything Riverdale related. The people, the actors, the directors, whatever. I'm, I'm down to talk about it all. So hit me up until next time. And see.